You're very welcome to another edition of the film show. Uh, I almost said the movie show there. Oh, Back wow. in the day from doing the old, the old ah, Facebook the movie old show. Facebook, huh? uh, I'm joined as always by Dean Malumby and Brian Lloyd. Uh, this week we have, uh, I suppose, it's last week was packed. But uh, this week's kind of a little bit more subtle, I would say. Subtle. Not including Rampage. <laughs> yeah. Not including the Roxy movie Rampage. <laughs> uh, making the grade, certainly, an Irish documentary and Truth or Dare. Uh, Brian's got a deadly revisit. And his mailbag. I do. His mail, a mailbag. His mailbag, his mailbag is like full of like. My, my, my mailbag is overflowing. Is it overflowing? It's a it pack is. to the brim. It is. It's just letters, would, letters, and letters. Would you say it's close to bursting? I don't know about that now. Okay. Wouldn't go th- oh. that far. Okay, uh, both of you guys have seen Making the Grade. Uh, this is from uh, the director of His and, His and Hers, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, which is a brilliant documentary from a few years ago. One of those that just travelled incredibly well around the world. I think it's screened at Sundance and stuff. Uh, if this is a fraction as sweet or as engaging as that film, like, like I can't wait to see yeah, it. Yeah, it's very, I mean, it's very much, the, that's kind of Ken Wardrop's style, is that he literally just sets the camera up and then lets his subjects just basically talk you know that sort of way just lets them kind of off lets them kind of say whatever it is they have to say mm-hmm. he doesn't really kind of infuse any kind of story into it if you know that sort of way I mean it's basically just like it's these uh, piano students they're learning how to play the piano and it goes from grade 1 up to grade 8 I want to say it's 7 or 8 7 or 8 let's say do you play the piano D? I don't know no. 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 for some reason I thought you played the piano I don't know why I did I, I for like that. a year you when just I was young. cultured I don't know <laughs> <laughs> he probably plays the piano I would believe it if yeah. you told me you played piano I'd be like yeah yeah that, like if like, you know me Brian played the piano I'd be like nah no, I couldn't. I could, like I don't have a musical bone. So but it's no. quite, so it's like it's all these similar setup. Yeah, a lot of different interviews. No particular narrative ordered on. It's people learning how to exactly that. Mm-hmm. Exactly that. And again, it's the kind of thing of like it's the people who make the documentary come to life. You know, mm-hmm. that's sort of the fact that they're so passionate about it. The fact that they actually, you know, they care, and you know, even the students as well. Like some of them are just doing it because, you know, they want to perform. And some of them are doing it just because, you know, their parents are kind of making them do it. And then others are doing it just because, like, their parents uh, did it and they want to do it. It's, you know... It's stage that's parents! That's sort of... Yes. I mean, it's not as bad as... No, it's not as bad as no, stage I mean, parents, but it's, it's yeah. yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. But the teachers, all of the teachers that are in it, you can tell that they all care, you know, that sort of... They're all really passionate about it. And that... You can't fake that, you know, yeah. that sort of way. You can't fake that level of enthusiasm I think mm-hmm. and that's what really makes it so compelling well yeah. there's, I don't think there's a more noble job than a teacher and yeah. you know the reverberation of you know moulding young minds the mm-hmm. and the impact that you can have on kids lives is, yeah. does that run through this oh yeah for sure I mean it is kind of like universally relatable and that it is really just exploring you know the relationships between you know students and teachers and anyone can relate to that I think on a number of levels no matter you know where you come from in life and everything no matter what stage you've always had that teacher who's really kind of believed in you and kept you up um, just to add to what Brian was saying there are, there are some like really kind of sweet and tragic stories in this as well like of how people have returned to piano um, after a number of years you have someone who is struggling with cerebral palsy and she like really want like she's just on like grade one or grade two and you see her and she just really like this is like a really personal accomplishment for her like playing the piano and everything so it's really like moving and emotional as well but very very sweet and it's it's very it's very taught Taught, as well, taught. taught. Um, it was because a word it last in, weekend, it's yes, coming back. Yes, yes, it's a good word. Because um, it comes in at just 
last like 85 minutes or something like that. His was quite similar, wasn't yeah, it? It was quite yeah. short. Yeah, I mean, that's it. I mean, it doesn't really kind of overstay its welcome. It just, it literally just tells the story of these people making it through the different grades. And like, yeah, I mean, like that kind of lack of, uh, how would you say, structure and mm-hmm. story can make it seem like it's low stakes and it is low stakes I mean like they're not curing cancer they're not doing anything it's literally just people in a room with a piano learning how to play and stuff but it's warmth you know that sort of way yeah. it's very genuine and I think that's what makes it so kind of interesting to watch you know that sort of I think you really come away from it with this just really kind of tenderness and this just feel good feeling you know I think that everybody going to this will come out of the cinemas with the big beaming like grin on them you can bring your mom to it you can bring your granny to it you can bring your little siblings to it everyone will really really you know appreciate this it's, movie it's, I ra- think. it's rated general it's a G which you don't see a whole lot of nowadays that yeah like, yeah, like my mom and, and little sister went to it um, they went to the premiere actually and they were saying like there were loads of kids in the audience who were really enjoying it because like a lot of the characters are kids you have kind of what's nice about it as well is it's such a like range of people from different um, backgrounds and everything there are a lot of kids in it but they're like older people as well but there's something for there's something for everyone and I know Aww. that sounds a bit corny no, and it is a bit corny but it's very sweet like and hit, genuine like his know? was one of those that had a whole lot of hype behind it but yeah. mm-hmm. when you watched it, it was just you couldn't help but smile that's yes. it such yeah. a lovely film that's what I'm saying like it is it's a really lovely film like it's really sweet it's really short doesn't really kind of overstay its welcome. It's just, it is what it is, you know. That's Where do you see Ken Wardrop going next? Like, what, is he going to continue down this road? Think I think so, yeah, because if you look at, like, the one he did before this was Mom and Me, and it was about, like, basically men and their relationship with their mothers, and it wasn't done in a sort of, like, psychological Oedipus <laughs> complex kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't like that. It was basically, like, you know, like, these big, huge, like, bikers literally sitting next to their old mams, like, kind of yeah. thing, like, and, like, kind of the relationship and, like, you know, some lads, you know, uh, some of the men in it were sort of like, oh, you know, we had a bad relationship growing up because I was a bit of a hellraiser and stuff, but now I've kind of come to see what she was trying to do for me and stuff like that. So I think going by the work that he's done... It's a reoccurring theme. It's a reoccurring mm-hmm. theme. It's the idea of, you know, flying the wall... Yeah, relationships. Well, yeah. yeah, flying the wall documentaries. The kind of idea of, you know, normal people just telling their stories. Because yeah. I think, like, like I say, his and hers worked. It was yeah. a real, it was a big so success. It's the opposite end of the spectrum to say something like um, The Defiant Months, which is obviously mm-hmm. blown up on Netflix at yeah. the moment, yeah. which is, I haven't seen it, but everybody says it's like like stunning looking. Yeah. Like it's high production values and all that. Yeah, and this is not at all. I mean, this is, that's not to say that's bad. Subtle. It's just, yeah. it's very unfettered, I would say. It's kind of very pared back, but they do it that way so that it just becomes about the people. Yeah. You know, and the people are the ones who you kind of, you know, really get to know and get to love and everything. Yeah. Oh, well, let's talk about The Rock and a joint ape. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, right. Okay. Go for it. I love The Rock. I, I love that man. Mm-hmm. I've interviewed him three times. Uh-huh. Uh, he is always a blast. Always. I watched, I watched him, sorry, I watched him uh, during the Fast and Furious Junkers in Brazil for mm-hmm. the fifth one, I think it was. Like, it give, it give every single person that went up to him because it was on a, it was on like a balcony on a yeah. promenade and watched him give every single person from, you know, a hundred different countries and a worldwide junket a different interview and different answers yeah. and engaged them off camera and I was like, this dude is just sounds. There's, you know, and and there's a story on the side today. Uh, I don't know if you're going to get into it later on, D. That's the, what I was yeah. going to touch on, actually. Yeah, so Jumanji's yeah. the highest gross movie in Sony's history. Yeah, that's right. So it's domestic as opposed to worldwide. I think for worldwide um, box office now, it's second after Skyfall. But I mean, yeah. like Skyfall like crossed a billion. And I think in worldwide receipts, it's still on like uh, over 900k. So it could very well. Yeah. 
you know, cross that billion yeah, mark. Yeah, it like. could. Um, but yeah, it recently beat um, Spider-Man, which was this is the Sam Raimi version now yeah. back in 2002. It beat that film to become Sony's highest grossing movie ever in the box office domestically. Um, and it's no surprise because, I mean, it had a lot of factors going for it, which is what the I kind of talk aspect, about. Yeah, the yeah. remake aspect, the fact that it had Dwayne Johnson. Kevin Hart as well is huge. Well, they the worked States. they worked together really well for, for Central Intelligence, exactly. which is a fun yeah. movie. Yeah. And I mean, it's, the, the whole thing now with a lot of movie stars as well, and if you look at any of the tracking websites that track the box office, like yeah. outside mm-hmm. of Fandango, they look at the social media impact of the social media uh, footprint of the stars. So, um, like The Rock and Kevin Hart, 300 million between them or something. Yeah. That's why you yeah. see Will Smith, like, kind of, you know, they're going, hey, to get up there, hey, everybody, yeah. Yeah, hey, look yeah. at me. Anyway, I have a YouTube channel now. Uh, so, he's got, he's obviously got ballers, which, which is. So it's his attempt at doing something a bit more low key, yeah. which is kind of funny to say for a show from the, you know some of the guys behind Entourage. It's a fun show; it is a really fun show. But he gets to act in that show. So in cinemas, Brian, then he's doing stuff like Rampage. Yeah, he has skyscrapers coming out. Skyscraper coming out in a couple of months. Yeah, um, is is he getting too big to fail, or is he getting just too big in general? Or I just think like uh, lazy with the yeah, lazy. I think yeah. is the word I would say. Like uh, that is the one word I would say about Rampage mm. is that it is just lazy shit like it is the kind of film that you know exactly what's going on now look it's giant uh, gorillas fighting a flying wolf who's also flying I'm in fighting. I'm in so yeah, <laughs> like that's it See, that's it like it's it's one of those films that's like it is exactly what you said it said it was going to be it is not trying to be anything else it's very like what you were saying about hurricane heist and that like it's got a hurricane it's got a heist <laughs> the two of them come together these solos all of that last week yeah, yeah but Hurricane Heist was fun you were saying that in this one you went in with low expectations but Brian, Brian, is, the, Brian is the void of joy though I think I think that's an issue that's not you know? it at all I, I swear to god I did was you have like, your coffee before you went in I didn't in fairness I have actually I'm kind of getting a bit hungry today but no what I will say is oh, but, no but alright here's the thing I would say about it is, is that I went in with low expectations I was thinking look this could be fun dumb blockbuster kind of like Pacific Rim the director Horizon. San Andreas yeah Brad Payton is the guy's yeah. name nice guy yeah um, and yeah he did land at a loss and you know he's very capable of special doing special effects guy yeah. exactly, mm-hmm. exactly that um, the special effects in this I thought were pretty poor I have to say I you know you look at something like uh, Garrett Davis and what he did with Godzilla he's able to really create a sense of spectacle and also a sense of scale you know that's sort of like when you see the buildings toppling over you really think oh my god that's really happening you know there's one there was, uh, in the first Godzilla actually um, not the first one but the, the 90s version with Matthew Broderick yeah you know, the one. there's a really gorgeous shot in that movie perspective shot and every time I'm in New York I always think of it when the side of the buildings they just kind of look down an avenue and you just see the side of the building I always thought that was incredibly cool and otherwise dog shit wrapped in oh yeah completely yeah. but you were saying this film doesn't really have that it's just kind of a, lot, a lot of CGI yeah it's just it's a lot of CGI it's a lot of very kind of like as you would expect buildings blowing up kind of thing even in the like I see this is the other part of it as well and this is the problem that I had the, the main problem I had with Rampage was that it thought it was being a good movie while they were doing it you know that sort of way like there are too many scenes in it where they're trying to build up you know the Rock's character and they're trying to build this relationship between him and um, the chap's name who I forgot now he was Negan in Jeffrey Dean Morgan Jeffrey Dean Morgan there you go thank you yeah they're trying to build up a relationship with him and you know uh, the Rock and it just doesn't work like and it just comes off as if like it was forced in yeah to kind he needs of, a buddy yeah, yeah he needs a buddy he needs someone to bounce off it oh he needs you know a love interest oh he needs you know the kind of dweeby nerdy guy at the start yeah. and da, 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 da. and it just felt like it was very much like by the numbers very much executed in a very kind of bland fashion and like I, you know like The Rock is like look 
he, I think he knows himself that look, he's never going to win an Oscar, probably. Well, so uh, maybe know. I don't know. Well, like I mean, in the sense, Rock can act, man. Oh no, he can't act. That's yeah. what I'm saying. And whenever he goes in to do these kind of action blockbusters, like you know, Fast and Furious or whatever, you can see he cares. Do yeah. you know what I mean? I think he cares. But in this, it struck me that he didn't care. Yeah, that's what I think. I think he kind of signed up to this thinking it was going to be one thing. It ended up being just another kind of he's he's Will Smith in the 90s in the early noughties in the 90s and yeah. that like every single film he does has this insane level of expectation yeah. to become a blockbuster and at a certain point you know one is going to fail and yeah. fail badly and then I suppose it's how he recovers exactly it's how he recovers after that Um, I mean I don't know I was going to go and see this one later on uh, I, I mean San Andreas is a funny one as well because San Andreas was I actually ab- kind of enjoyed that I t- one I thought it was just it was average kind of, you yeah, know? that's what I'm saying this yeah. is average I kind of found yeah. it good bad as well I yeah. don't know maybe maybe I'm just a sucker for disaster movies I don't know yeah well this is like <laughs> this is more of a monster fighting movie Brian. Yeah, yeah exactly that yeah and like the the fight only kind of happens uh, at the in, in the third act like you know? oh, so I was thinking what I would love to see the type of movie I would love to see The Rock and I would love to see The Rock in a proper hand to hand combat action movie <sighs> yeah you know mm-hmm. Chad Tedeschi David Leitch John Wick Oh wait, actually hang on, I have to I have to play that. It's a fucking pencil. And then I realised isn't he directing the or he's in yeah uh, David Leach is in the talks to direct the next Fast and Furious spin off. Is he really? Oh yeah, that's right, yeah, 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 so, yeah, so, with Jason yeah. Statham. Jason Statham might finally get to make a cool action movie. And you know cool what? And yeah, that's it. I think if he gets a director that's able to kind of put him. Yeah. sort of front and centre rather than putting special effects and then the rock around it you know. but I think yeah after Deadpool 2 opens and given how well Deadpool 2 apparently is testing it's testing better than the first film wow. that trailer's phenomenal <laughs> like it's so good I think uh, I think I think Leech is, is probably going to have his pick at him so but that'll be interesting to see he hasn't, lo- he hasn't been locked in for it uh, anyway okay D um, this is coming from Bloomhouse isn't it this one Truth or Dare um, one of these we spoke about Bloomhouse before that these kind of low budget you know, under $5 million productions. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of them produced. There are a lot of them that go out there. Yeah. But for the most part, they make a lot of money. You were a big fan of Happy Death Day. I went to see it on your recommendation. Yeah. And loved it. It was, it was a great lot crack. of fun. It was so much fun. You know, it didn't take itself too seriously. And it was kind of trying to be like a horror and a comedy. And it kind of like, it was very aware of the fact that it was like borrowing heavily from like Groundhog Day. And it just had a bit of fun with that yeah. kind of storyline. You know? It was kind of self-aware. Yes. Um, okay, Jeff Wadlow directed this one. He did uh, Kick Ass 2, mm. which was like, <laughs> what are you at, mate? Do you know, like, what, like, how do you mess that up? You know? So, yeah. uh, how are the scares in this one? What's the horror like? Does it work? It's not really. That, I was kind of disappointed by this because it's, it's weird. I've only probably become, like, I was saying this to Brian earlier, I probably only really started to like horrors over the last maybe year and a half. And that's from working here and having to make myself watch <laughs> horrors for this job. Um, but I've grown to really like them. Like, one of my favorite horrors of last year was Raw. So I'm kind of starting to like, get. Like, that's extreme. Yeah. yeah. And that, that is, like, that cannibal, is crazy. French cannibals. Like, yeah. And that's extreme. Um, but yeah, I'm starting to really kind of enjoy that whole scare aspect and getting like the adrenaline rush that like horror junkies get and everything so I kind of enjoy getting a bit scared and truth or dare just isn't scary at all and what's what I found disappointing about it as well especially when comparing it to Happy Death Day is it isn't really funny either yeah. it's kind of not really well that lead anything. performance in Happy Death Day really worked she was yeah, great she was brilliant yeah yeah really looks like Misha Barton I think yeah must must get her name. Okay, so the so the the synopsis <laughs> the synopsis for uh, Truth or Dare is, is very funny. A harmless yeah. game of Truth or Dare. <laughs> what among friends turns deadly when someone or something 
begins to punish those who tell a, tell a lie or refuse to dare. Oh. That's like ex- that's fair. That's fair. extreme now. Yeah. So I'm assuming when people just go missing, is it like cliche to the point where yeah. I'll be right back and then they don't come back? No, no, no. I mean, you see what um, like happens and everything. It's kind of a bit, it's a bit like um, oh, what's that one with everyone dying? Final Destination, like. Oh. Do you remember those yeah. films? Yeah. Made about fifteen of them, didn't they? Uh, oh, they made loads. Seven, I think. Loads. I don't know. Yeah, like um, I, it, it, it's. I think like like just we were saying about Blumhouse and the fact that like you know they can make them for like feck all money, like they're not all going to be hits. You know yeah, what that's what, what I, mean? I was thinking. There's a lot I of stuff mean, that like, ends up on Netflix. So that's today, actress's name was Jessica Roth. who was fantastic yeah. and happy that yeah, day. She was brilliant. Um, yeah, that's what I would say about it. I mean, like Blumhouse is so great that not all of their movies are going to be hits. And I mean, as far as like watching it goes, like it is enjoyable enough. I think that the main target audience, to be honest, watching it was, I was kind of thinking maybe this is like meant to be more for like a younger audience, like kind of teens and yeah. students, that type of thing. Because you know how when you're... Today movie. Yeah, I like you know how when you're like young and you kind of watch like horrors, but they're not really horrors, they're yeah. kind of skilly, but you're kind of like, ah, anyway. So I was getting that kind of, you know, vibe from it. And also the fact that teens always love watching movies about like college or, students. Like, or, so or, or the teens, like, so, like, teens kind of, and slightly older, you know, and they like watching they're all like, have they're sex like actually and partying and stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Dawson's Creek, like. Yeah. Dawson's yeah, Creek. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Exactly. That's um, it. So, so what are you going to say there, Brian? Now, no, that was it. Just, I was literally going to say it. Just, it sounds to me like a total teen date movie kind of thing that you'd like. Well, it's a funny one because, like, we when like Bloomhouse did Ouija and then the sequel, Ouija Origin of Evil. Yeah, and the first one was like this kind of very broad, like you know, sounds very similar to this day. Mm. And then the second one was this incredibly well reviewed horror movie that nobody saw. That was it. I mean, I think that was like with uh, Origin of Evil, if I, if I remember right, the guy who directed that was. Uh, he, I think he was he the guy who did Don't Breathe or something like that, or he did. He basically did another uh, horror film that was really well reviewed and really liked, and then he was kind of given this as a sort of like, okay, let's see what you can do with it. Um, directed, directed, and edited by Mike Flanagan. That's it. He was yeah, the guy who did yeah. uh, Gerald's Game. Yeah, he did Gerald's Game. Yeah. He did um, which was uh, which was on Netflix, which was this. You loved brilliant. that one actually. I yeah. loved that. Stephen King adaptation, isn't it? Yeah, Stephen yeah. King adaptation. With Carly Cadino. Yeah, Carly Cadino mm-hmm. and Bruce, uh, Bruce Greenwood. Yeah, and it's a really good. You should really check it out if it's on Netflix. It's a really really good uh, taut thriller. Taut. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. Like I think with our, uh, Ouija Origin of Evil, I think that was just sort of like no one's expecting it to be good because like the first one was shit. Let's be honest. But that's a good it. sign that like a director can go and take. Mm-hmm. kind of a you know a, you know dine on a Taurus franchise and, and revitalize it, something yeah. and revitalize it and so it'd be interesting to see where he kind of goes now his career Mike Flanagan he's doing uh, the sequel to The Shining Doctor Sleep yeah. what do you reckon on that I am excited like I love Stephen King anyway so like yeah. anything anything kind of Stephen King related I'll be on it couldn't tell that by looking at you around. <laughs> I saw a lot of people though online giving out about it because they were like, "Well, that's kind of a crap Stephen King novel as it is." That's yeah, what, Doctor Sleep yeah. was pretty shit. Yeah, it was pretty shit. People online giving out? Never, no, never. No. Go away. You'd be one of those people if you didn't do it for a living. Uh, oh no, completely. God, you tell you, you're telling me like, but yeah, no. Doctor Sleep was pretty poor in fairness, and like, I mean, I think The Shining is the kind of film that like it works on its own and it doesn't mm. need a well, sequel. I mean, we said that Ouija uh, Origin of Evil didn't do that well, right? But it was a ninety-five million dollar budget and it made just under eighty-two million dollars. That's really decent. So, so it more than covered its cost. Okay, that's the reviews for this week. Although I did go and see uh, Love Simon. We hadn't we didn't review oh, yeah, Love well, Simon yeah, last well, well, week. So once he loves Simon, yes, it's very sweet. It's just really, really sweet. It's very broad Hollywood kind of coming of age comedy that just happens to be about a gay guy. 
and actually kind of reminded me of Saint D earlier on reminded me of Never Been Kissed a little bit ooh um, I've Never Been just Kissed just really good I mean not, it doesn't have that that Drew Barrymore quirky humour obviously yeah. but it's very very sweet obviously Gav reviewed it for the site so yeah. none of us got it the last week but I'd agree when Gav gave it four stars and it's, it's kind of well worth checking out because there was so much out last week there were oh, so many yeah. films out last week that it was uh, it was kind of I think it probably just got lost in the four, four, four and a half five star reviews of, yeah, yeah. of a Michael inside and uh, quiet a quiet place okay Brian uh, before we go on to these movie news g- g- give us a look at our mailbag yeah, letters we get letters letters we get letters we get stacks and stacks of letters now this actually I will say this is actually a lovely letter um, and I sent this around actually um, we got it last week uh, it was sent in by Evan Murphy and he says you were uh, on the way over to London I was. to tell John Krasinski to fuck off Are we true, gonna, story. True, true story true story true story true story true story that true did story. happen I did tell John Krasinski to fuck off he said it in a playful way though I John was, Krasinski thought it was he funny he did laugh he did yeah, laugh I mean and I said I, 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 what he went excuse me <laughs> Did you just tell me to fuck off? I mean, like... I <laughs> then think, he does a gym look to the camera. I mean, yeah, if he did that, <laughs> I was so waiting for him. I, I really wanted him to look at the camera just <laughs> once in the yeah. interview. He didn't do it once. I think he knew as well. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I told John Krasinski <laughs> to fuck off. And I'm very embarrassed about it. Like, I'm, I would Give the context, first of all. Because okay. he was so sound. There's a really okay. good interview. I'll put the we'll put the mailbag aside for a second. So basically what happened was... Um, Interviews live on the site. By interview the way. is live on the site. You can check it out now. Um, we sat down. I was the first. Like when they do these interviews, they send over about three or four journalists from Ireland, and I was the first one in. And I sat down. and He says, "Oh, where are you from?" He says, "Oh, Ireland." I said, "Oh, Ireland." I said, they always do that. Mm. And it was like, uh, "Yeah, Ireland." He said, "What part?" And he says, "Oh, Dublin." I said, "Dublin." He said, "Oh, wow." I said, "You know, I've I've got family down in Cork." I said, "Fuck off!" Really? <laughs> and of course, when you like, <laughs> when somebody kind of automatically kind of is reach, you can see they're trying to engage with you. Yeah. you kind of like lower your barrier a little bit yeah. you're like oh fuck off no way really shit wow, wow that's amazing you're not used to a like actual movie star from like an, obviously a very good director yeah. being like oh what's going on man just been sound yeah that's it like yeah. being really kind of dis- like that's what I would say it was disarming yeah. like it was completely to the point that I was literally telling him to fuck off like I knew him like <laughs> so many years like and I didn't I literally met him that day and I told him to fuck off so I'm an idiot basically I'm an idiot who can't handle people giving me positive but, I, but you, you can confirm that John Krasinski is the soundest man he is a very very sound man and like I will say this now this is like a little bit of a behind the scenes thing Ooh. Um, Ooh. this is the only time I have been at a junket and I am doing this now about five years this is the only time that uh, the runners the runners are the people who are running around and bringing you into mm. the into the oak it is the only time they actually sat down I was waiting I was a small enough junket and one of the uh, runners sat down next to me and she was like oh how are you finding the interview so far and I was like oh they're they're really nice. Emily Blunt was lovely as well. Yeah, right? yeah, Emily Blunt was lovely as well. And your one just said, you know what? I said, this is like one of the most easiest junkets I've ever done. They're so nice. They literally have no airs or graces about them. They are just really down to earth people. And like, it's just, it's just like, this is so easy. Like, this makes my job so much more yeah. easier. And I was like, that in my five years of doing this, that has never once happened. Yeah. Where they've said it unbidden. Like, yeah. you know, that kind of, they literally were like, your one was like, your one was kind of shocked. She was like, I can't believe how nice they are. Like, <laughs> and I was like, fuck. Well, it's a great, it's a great film as well. Yeah. And, that, yes. and that always helps. And it's made a fortune. I think yeah. uh, we're going to probably talk about that a little bit later on. But go on, get into your sack there. So, yeah, into my sack. Uh, this was sent in from Evan Murphy. And this was a really, really, really lovely uh, uh, You got to go on the plane there in London way. And you were like, oh, That was so nice. Oh. He says, uh, dear Brian, I am such a huge fan of the podcast and have been of yours since the radio. That's when I used to do Chris and Kira. Um, we were at a screening of The Shallows. It was meh at the same time 
time and I couldn't go near you because I was so nervous. Oh, that's hilarious. You wrote this bleeding letter yourself. I fucking you did. did. <laughs> I did you not. I did not. Uh, loved the, I loved the previous podcast. Scream is one of my favourites. It was my first horror film. I watched it when I was eight. That's way too young to be watching Scream. <laughs> in fairness. Um, I wanted to suggest the revisit for one of the weeks be When Harry Met Sally. Evan, this week's uh, revisit is going to be When Harry Met Sally. Uh, tell Mike I died when he liked my tweet when I said I wish I was there agreeing with you and yelling at you my Twitter is uh, at the Disney Kid 96 I have been yellowing, yelling at Brian through a radio or, or at a screen since I was a teenager I'm 22 now tell D as a fellow Disney kid I love her keep it up guys I look forward to the next podcast and that comes from Evan Murphy Evan we are going to send you a uh, goodie bag full of stuff Thanks a lot for sending that in. If you want to send in your own message, it doesn't have to be as nice as that. You have, you have to mean it. You like have to not, mean you're not getting it. stuff yeah. unless you mean it. Yeah, but you, like, I mean, you mean can't, it. like, you, you can abuse us if you want. People have abused us before. Uh, it's Brian at Entertainment. People have abused Brian before. Me and they are grand. Like, yeah, it's grand. yeah, you're grand. <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm the dislikable one. Um, yeah, so it's uh, Brian at Entertainment.ie if you want to send us in something for the mailbag. I still have a big grin on my face. It's great, wasn't it? That was really nice. nice. That was Very so funny. nice. I mentioned Disney and I love Disney. Oh, fair, fair play, Evan. Thanks for getting in touch. All right, D, watch out for us for movie news. So I was actually I was actually going to mention Brian's interview with John Krasinski, but you guys have already done. You can that also you can also mention place. him telling Emily Blunt he didn't care about her personal life. Oh, oh yeah, but so dismissively it was hilarious. Okay, first of all, I'll say the actual news, <laughs> and then we'll talk briefly about that because <laughs> I love why the book. That was also really what, funny. What? So my news, uh, quiet place wise, is that it's doing really well at the box office, which I'm so happy for. It's so deserved. It managed to take in the second highest U.S. opening of the year so far with a solid 50 million dollars only cost 17 to make only make yeah. cost 17 to make yeah and analysts are expecting it to sail past 100 million in the coming weeks in the US did really well um, in Ireland as well and apparently this um, statistic according to Deadline puts A Quiet Place on par with M. Night Shyamalan's Split, which was a huge success back in 2016 I want to say yep. and 79% above Get Out's debut, which is also huge. Get Out so, had yeah. such strong legs. I think that's yeah. going to be the test here. Um, and obviously yeah, you want it to run for weeks yeah, and weeks, yeah. exactly. But I, I couldn't be happier that that film is doing well because, I mean, not only are you like, really good people behind it, which is obviously rare in Hollywood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, Emily Blunt didn't like throw anything at you when you were like... <laughs> <laughs> All right, can we put some context on this? We okay. should have to give every one of your interviews context. But like, if no, you this is what happened, Well, right? in fairness, I didn't have my coffee. particular were funny. <laughs> okay. But um, he, he, basically, Brian also interviewed Emily Blunt when he went over to London and... The delightful Emily Blunt. She's so... The English yeah. Rose Emily Blunt. Yeah, go on and tell the story. No, no, you You're tell, you tell, tell us what happened. I was so, just contextualising. what I said was... Actually, was, actually do you know what? Why don't you just play a clip of it? Okay, Grant. We'll just play the clip where I told Emily Blunt that I did not care about her personal life. We'll play the whole clip. The first question I wanted to ask you was, was that working with your husband, um, and I'm not asking about your personal life, but... Yeah, right. The, uh, no. <laughs> You're like, how said, did you guys meet? He said the same thing. I swear to God, I don't care. I mean, I do care, but... Anyways, um... The idea of the fact that he has, I would say, personal knowledge of what makes you tick and what can kind of get you to a place of yeah. getting that fear. Mm-hmm. Um, how was that? I mean, well, was John it? likes to terrorise me on a daily basis, sure. sort of in in general. Um, uh, well, I think we do obviously understand each other. We have a sort of secret language that inevitably comes when you've been together almost a decade. Um, and I think this was such a personal film to us because yeah. 
You're both it resonated parents. so much. It was by osmosis. I think your own life experience is going to make its way onto the screen. Um, he just knows he's an actor, so he knows when to step back, when to help you out, when to give you direction, when not to. I think that was kind of thrilling for me to... Not that I thought he was going to be a dictator or anything. Sure, yeah. Just, you know, yeah, yeah, of course. like a relief, you know. Okay, now in fairness... <laughs> I'm in not fairness... going to lie... Just hearing it on its own probably sounded even more aggressive <laughs> than it looked. See, I think in your interviewing style video. is so laid back. You've got a really like we and this is a, we all have contrast in interview styles, sure, yeah. right? But it was a really good interview. It's what? a really good interview. You're Thank really you. good at your job, Brian. Thank you. For, for much we take the piss out, you're very Thank good you. at it. Okay. But your interview style is so laid back, but in your head you're nervous. You I'm, I'm terrified. You can't not be in those situations and and, and not be nervous. They're strange. You're like, oh. My, Shit, it's Emily Blunt. Yeah. She's Mary Poppins. Yeah. Like, literally four <laughs> feet away from me is the future Mary Poppins. Yeah. yeah. Like, I can't... Yeah, yeah. Like, it's... I am terrified when I do those. I look like I don't give a shit. <laughs> I am terrified. I am, like... There's, like, blind white noise in my head. I am, like, getting cotton mouth. Like, like actually, uh, Sharon Gray, the uh, one of the uh, corporate people around behind the scenes there, she was given out to me once for eating chewing gum in the mm. middle of... Uh, in you the were eating chewing gum in an interview? <clears throat> yeah. Well, you, you see, dragged up our rare. What's the story? Well, no, you like? see, this is it. Like, I used to smoke. I used to smoke a lot. I used to smoke about, like, 30 a day. And my thing was, was that before I do an interview, I would literally, like, inhale a cigarette in one... And then run in and do the interview. So that would kind of keep me calm and keep me kind of measured. And now I, like... Because my mouth would just kind of keep chattering. So now I just throw a chewing gum in before I go in to kind of keep it... I think you're just looking for an excuse to start smoking again. You're like, oh, you I'm not, for my no, nerves. I'm not, no, I swear to God, I'm eight mm-hmm. months off them. I'm done. I'm done with cigarettes, but I'm just saying that's what I used to. I used to smoke all the time before I do interviews and that would kind of keep me yeah. kind of less nervous. But now I have to chew chewing gum. To now try. you have to chew chewing gum and appear brazenly uh, too late back. Yeah, and like insult, insult the very people that I'm interviewing. That's how I cope with interviews, yeah. So... I should have really, uh, yeah. got it with the very next question that you know it was you're obviously coming from a very respectful place and, yeah. you just, and you just want to engage with them on a natural human exactly. brain level that's which it. sometimes involves profanities it does like, like, I mean that's in, it in, 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 like, you know, that, that's affection that's affection that's, it. that's, that's affection, it. affection in affection. Ireland for males in Ireland I just like, yeah, I mean I think I think, <laughs> I think I think if I didn't give a shit I think if I did not give a shit about their film I'd just be like so what was the movie like <laughs> Talk. It's it's a, talk. I get uh, I get I get I was I get shit off um some of the studio people from I'm oh, not sure to take the piss on me because if I don't like the film you can there's a you know, yeah, always yeah, yeah, you have the queue, you, you have, have the queue, queue yeah. I have the queue, you're always like congratulations on the film and I'm like, Oh thanks I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> Did not commit to an opinion there at all. Yes. Guys, I'm, you're giving away all your secrets. Giving away all know? our secrets, yeah. yeah. yeah well, I'll have to think of something else now. Yeah, well what's your secret D for interviews? Oh, I, I just smile though. It's like sometimes I have like, like I look at back at interviews and like you can see so much gum. I'm smiling so hard because I figure if I smile, so I'll happy be to be there. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, no, that's, you like that. Yeah, yeah. but like I, I'm just like, keep yeah. smiling. <laughs> Don't keep be a smiling. dick. Keep smiling. Keep smiling. Exactly. Keep smiling. What else you have for us, D? So this is news regarding The Accountant. And I really like to talk about this movie because I actually quite enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed it too. I think all three of us did actually, yeah. So it was recently revealed that The Accountant was the most rented movie of 2017 in the US. Yes, people still rent movies. And I'd like to add, they still buy DVDs, Mike, because I actually bought The Accountant and John Wick Chapter 2. I meant to say to you, I was in it. And you're ripping the piss out of me for it. I was taking a shortcut to like Euroworld or something and Oilac Centre the other day. And they have two Euro DVDs, they there you go oh. that Dallas Buyers Club for two euros I might do that <laughs> should have taken a picture cool. for you yeah, I should, yeah I'll go in and buy some plastic <laughs> um, <laughs> so 
Sorry, I'm laughing now. Uh, so it did end up becoming kind of a sleeper hit, even though box office wise, I don't know if it did phenomenal, but it did like like eighty something million. Yeah, yeah it did great. I mean, it was really it good. Fine. More than it was like yeah. forty odd million budget. Yeah, I think it did well enough to inspire. Well, are they still making the sequel? Yeah, I know Gavin O'Connor. Well, Gavin O'Connor's been attached yeah. to something else again. Suicide Squad. Suicide too. Squad too. Yeah. 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 So the top three in terms of like um, rentals were um, well, the two and three shouldn't be too much of a surprise. Moana was two. Beauty and the Beast was three, so obviously you've got all the, um, you know, families renting let's or whatever there. Let's shut the kids there. up. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Shut gym. the kids up. Can't bring them to the cinema. Let's make them watch TV. Um, and let's be legit about it. So and um, these figures were pulled from a report by the MPAA. Um, it doesn't include how many units were sold in physical terms. So we don't know how many times, like, the accountant was rented. But, yeah, it still I mean, says that's, that. that's a really, yeah, like, that's, a, I mean, that's a good sign probably for why they're going to make another one. They were obviously yeah. looking at those figures. Well, I mean, if you, you know, think about all the movies over the years that have like kind of made a comeback through you know like home videos it was initially Shawshank you know, exactly Shawshank Redemption um, you know Wizard of Oz when it was distributed via TV when it was shown at TV, a TV on Christmas you know as opposed to like in the actual cinema theatres it like completely bombed so these things do kind of get another you know life in other formats and it's so interesting you know even as we continue to you know expand into more and more formats that could give you know movies that deserve a life yeah. that don't necessarily you know get seen at the cinema you know they could yeah, still it's a really good thrive thing. Yes. I've actually I've rented a couple on YouTube because I've got Chromecast oh YouTube oh, Red yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I've done that a couple of times like and it's, uh, it's, it's kind of handy to do as well like it costs three quid or something depending mm. on the movie and you get to watch it on, avoid, like, on a big TV or via your phone like. do you know I actually watched I watched Valerian on uh, Netflix that was a really good film and I'm really yeah. annoyed that I didn't get to see it in the cinemas really? I, yeah I thought it was really interesting. I know you wouldn't like it. No, fair Why wouldn't I like it? Because it's all sci-fi like, shit. Like, visually, it's really cool, but you have to admit that those two had zero Oh, no, God, yeah, no, Jesus. Like, zero. they were so badly cast. Like, like Dane DeHaan and, and Cardinal yeah, Cardinal 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 were Levine, so yeah. badly cast. But I thought, like, it looked really cool. I thought the story was interesting. Well, I thought it had a lot... song. Obviously, it's going to look good. That's what I'm yeah. saying, yeah. And it was the kind of thing that was like, I'm watching this on a small screen. I really wish I saw this on a big screen. But, yeah, there you go. And you had some Nicolas Cage news. Nicolas Cage news. So I think we were just talking about Nicolas Cage here the other week. So Nicolas Cage wants to play the Joker. This is obviously a character that's been brought to life by, you know, the likes of Jack Nicholson, Heath Ledger, Jared Leto over the years. And there's even been talk around Jack Wing Phoenix taking the role but he said that he hadn't heard anything about it so I don't know how likely that actually is now that was the whole like Martin Scorsese yeah, project yeah. Which, Todd Phillips is directing yeah, yeah the, exactly. Joker Origins yeah. yeah we're still not sure exactly what's happening with that I suppose all the focus is kind of on the Irishman anyway yeah. and then like we'll hear about his future projects and stuff um, but speaking to Joe Blow Cage explained that um, while he believes his superhero days are behind him obviously he's done you know Ghost Rider and Kick-Ass and everything um, there are two superhero roles he'd still really like to do and one of those is Doctor Doom um, Fantastic Four isn't it? Yes Yes thank you I need my you know, nerd, nerd. nerd confirmation here and the other one is the Joker and he even says quote unquote it'll give him an opportunity to go even more off the rails than I've ever done before and you know it'd be fun so I know you were saying in your article Brian that you'd love to see him go off the rails again but can I just add my little two cents Sure I think that Nick Cage going off the rails was kind of <clears throat> belonging to a particular time and era <laughs> and that era is now past. I mean, it's been what, like 20 years since we've seen a proper like Nick Cage go off the rails performance. And do we really, do we really need him to do the joke? When he was going off the rails and like, you know, face off and he's like a $100 yeah. million dollar blockbusters, it was kind of a bit of crack. Like, yeah. you know, now it's, 
people are so desensitised to this stuff. I think, but like, I, I think the last great performance he did of him going utterly nuts, and I'm going to play a clip of it now. It's from Bad Lieutenant. Just listen to this. I was watching TV, the game, right? Ronaldo Hayes, he got tossed up on, he was running with it, he was running, running, running. He jumped over three linebackers in midair. He sprouted antlers like a gazelle. <laughs> like an elk. <laughs> he landed again, he ran, ran, ran. He scored a touchdown. <laughs> That's a crack talker. Hey, listen, I'm not worried about you, so don't be concerned about me. Because <laughs> I'm not concerned if you're not concerned, so don't worry, because I'm not really concerned. <laughs> That's actually a cracking film that is such a good film yeah, that yeah. is such an underrated film he's great that was great ages ago as well wasn't it which that was a when few was years ago it was a good few, few years yeah, ago and yeah. he did um, he did Joe as well he's great yeah Joe, too, Joe, no, was Joe was yeah, yeah exactly Joe was Nicolas Cage completely underplaying it Bad Lieutenant was him playing it to the fucking hilt yeah um, you are right though I do take your point yeah I do think that he is possibly a bit too old to kind of go as crazy as he once did mm-hmm. and you're right he is kind of becoming a bit of a parody of himself yeah I think if he had played the Joker in the 90s, like Joel Schumacher era Batman, I'd say it would have been something hilarious. I would have loved to have seen it. Because I think he was, I think back then he was going to play um, the Scarecrow, um, yeah. which was played by Kenny and Murphy. And yeah, well, and of course done, Superman. Like, the yeah. Riddler or something. He could have done yeah. any of those. Yeah, any of those kind of really fan. over the top Fantastic. kind of, yeah, 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 villains he would have been good at. Um, I, I, I have such a soft spot for Nicolas Cage. I, I you know, I, we can kind of tolerate him in anything. He's you know? a great actor. He's a brilliant he's a, he's actor. A really great actor. He's, he's such just, a good actor. He's just he's he's fallen down and you did a great piece on the side, Brian and Bruce Willis. Yes, about yeah. how he's fallen down that kind of you know hole of taking the money. Hole, yeah. yeah, yeah. Back in the day, it was direct to video. Whatever, or you ever want to call it, direct to DVD now for Deirdre over there. So not for DVD. <laughs> it's VOD, Deirdre. Get it. Get get with it. Get with, get with the program. Just stream it, okay? <laughs> uh, okay. You, and I know you wanted to talk about Jumanji uh, out doing Spider Man. We've kind of already talked about that. Yeah. The, but um, it made loads of money anyway. It's still making loads of money. That's that was basically it. Thanks for that, Mike. <laughs> we were, sorry, I ruined that for you. Succinct. I ruined that for you earlier in the podcast. <laughs> I do apologise. All right, Brian, what have you got in your revisit this week via Evan? Via Evan Murphy, who suggested that I revisit this week is when Harry met Sally. I have decided that for the rest of the day we are going to talk like this. Like this? No. Please to repeat after me. Pepper. 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 Waiter, there is too much pepper on my paprikash. <laughs> Waiter, there is too, too much, much pepper, pepper on my paprikash. On my paprikash. But I would be proud to partake of your pecan pie. <laughs> oh, no. But I would but, be proud. But I would be proud. To partake. To partake. Of your pecan Pie. Of your pecan pie. Pecan pie. Pecan pie. Pecan pie. Pecan pie. <laughs> Would you like to go to the movies with me tonight? Would you like to go? Would, but... Not to repeat, please, to answer. Would you like to go to the movies with me tonight? Okay, so when Harry met Sally, I think what is very interesting to me about when Harry met Sally is, is that although you watch it and it is very much a 90s film and it's very much of its era... I think it's it is made in the 80s. 89. Yeah, that's not the 90s, Brian. 89, 90. It's, it it's was made not in the 80s. 90s. It is. Open it up. Open up IMDb there. Hang on a second. I, I need to sort this out now before we go any further. Please open up. Nobody I, is calling when Harry met Sally an 80s movie, a 90s movie. Nobody. I'm, wait, I'm, wait, I'm waiting until you get it. What, what, what year is it? What year is it? 1989. Fuck. 
I don't know, but it's, it is one of those, you know, in between movies because it's not quite 80s Fine. either. It's but, like, early you 90s. You shouldn't really describe it as either then. In my mind, it's early 90s. I think of that movie, I think okay. of early 90s. Okay, so the film was made in ni- 1988 or something, right? All right. Came well, out in 89. It was released in Ireland on the 12th of January, 1990. Thank you. There you go. So my point is, is that it is a time. True, true you bone there, Brian. All right, thank you. What I'm saying is, is that it's a timeless film. That's my point. Like, as in, like, it has aged incredibly well. I think. And you look at something like I don't know Annie Hall. Or you look at any of the kind of classic um, romantic comedies. Not all of them have aged as well as this. I think. Um, I think Meg Ryan was brilliant in it. Mm-hmm. I think she was at her height of her likability and charm. Yeah. Billy Crystal was brilliant. I think the. The chemistry that the two of them have together is so natural and, yeah. un, and unfiltered. Um, I thought Carrie Fisher was brilliant as a friend in it as well. Bruno and like, Kirby. Yeah, and Bruno mm-hmm. Kirby as well, yeah, who played uh, the one that she eventually ended up with. The, one that I, the thing that I really want to talk about is, and this is what boggles my mind, right? This was directed by Rob Reiner. Yeah, right? mad. Who then went to do A Few Good Men and then followed A Few Good Men up with Misery. If I'm right in saying that now, I think I think I might have my order. Rob Reiner is a phenomenal director. But like, that's like yeah, how, it's, how it's in the name of how in the name of shit do you make three what I would describe as you know benchmarks of the genre? Is in like when Harry Met Sally is the benchmark of romantic. Mm-hmm. So comedy. we went. So Rob Reiner went like this. This is this is some run. Yeah, look at this. We went from this is Spinal Tap to the yeah. Sure Thing to Stand by Me to the Princess Bride. To when Harry met Sally, to Misery, to A Few Good Men. Then came North. Scuttering Off the Tracks with North. <laughs> scuttering Off the Tracks with North. Followed her up with the American president, goes to Mississippi, um, and hasn't really made a decent yeah, film since fairness, then. In fairness. But that's what I'm saying. Like, that, Jesus, that was some run. That is, yeah. that is, a, that is a run. Like, yeah. holy shit. Like, this is Spinal Tap. Pretty much started off the whole spoof mockumentary thing that Armando mm-hmm. Iannucci did. Misery, for me, I think is one of the greatest thrillers ever made. A uh, few good men. I mean, that's up there with twelve angry men in terms of like courthouse, you know, legal drama. And this you is can't handle the truth. Yeah, yeah, come on, like it's it's you know it's still brilliant. Like and, and again, when Harry Met Sally is the quintessential romantic comedy because I think what makes it the romantic comedy is the fact that they start off and they hate each other. Yeah, you know, like the whole the, the opening sequence when they're in New York. And, like, he's all, like, you know, trying to be, like, this emo serious guy. And he's all, like, you know, I think about that a lot. And yeah. she's just, like, mm, I don't care <laughs> kind of thing. Like, and then, like, they meet each other a few years later. And she's like, oh, he was such an asshole. And that's, I don't know. Like, I mean, for, I think that is a very natural, common thing to happen in relationships. How would it happen nowadays? I don't I don't see that happen. It would be, like, some YouTube commenter trolling <laughs> you. Or somebody on Twitter. And then you met him married. and it was like, yeah, no, I wouldn't. I mean, see, yeah, I mean, I think in that regard, yeah, maybe it has aged a yeah. bit. But I think the themes that it deals with, the idea of, like, you know, being alone and, like, you know, how bad, how bruising breakups can be for people and how, you know, it can seem like you're going to be alone forever kind of thing. And you just kind of <laughs> accept God, it. No, but I'm just saying, but, like, but then eventually it will come its way the around. you movie all over again. No, but I mean, like, in, no, in the sense that when he's, like, you know, after he gets divorced and he's just kind of like, you know, I don't know if I even want to be in a relationship again. That can happen after. When you break up with somebody, it's like, I'm done. I'm never doing this again kind of thing. I can be a happy bachelor for the rest of my life or bachelorette or spinster or whatever it is. What do we say now? Do we say spinster? You don't have to be BC around me. I'm not. Ju- I'm just. I'm not being. I'm just saying. What is the preferred nomenclature for like single women? Like single. I, women. I don't know. I've never been one. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Dude. Um, that final speech. Uh, have you seen this? Have you seen yes. Harry Potter. Of course, I've seen oh, it. Of 
seen just, it. Just saying Come on. Can I tell you hadn't, something you hadn't seen recently? It was we're um, new. But that final oh, speech, remember, yeah. that final speech, uh, New Year's Eve, Billy Crystal comes up to, to Meg Ryan yeah. at it. It's like the quintessential oh, so guy girl. Can they be friends? You know, somebody likes somebody, always likes somebody more, and it just accumulates and just that scene is just brilliant. Oh, it's just yeah. it's so good. Like even the bit where he talks about like the little thing in her mm. eyebrow. Like I mean, and that's that's what I'm saying. Like it's it's natural. It feels very kind of honest. You know, yeah. that sort of mm-hmm. way. Do you, what do you think happened with like romantic comedies at a certain point in the noughties where they yeah. stopped being like Billy Crystal and they started being like Jared Butler? Like what? What went <laughs> yeah, wrong? Yeah, I was thinking of like <laughs> it's so weird. You know, like. Because when I think back to my teen years, I watched so many romantic comedies. Like, they were my bread and butter of movies. But I think back on them, and they weren't very good. You know, like, I think back to, like, oh, Maiden Manhattan was just atrocious. And somehow I managed John to Hughes. watch it, like, three or four Man, times. John Hughes. John Hughes. Um, yeah. I remember really liking Just Like Heaven when I was young. Remember the one with Reese Witherspoon Ma- and Mark, uh, Mark Ruffalo? Ruffalo? Yeah, that was yeah. Mark Ruffalo going, like, like he was still indie and he went to try and be a movie yeah. star. Yeah, yeah. well, works, well he managed it. In yeah, it worked, to be you fair. Know, he got there Mark eventually. Ruffalo. Yeah. So. But like 13 going on 30 I think is great it crack. Is. I yeah. love that film That's such great crack Like I feel like that came a little later though Didn't it? It did yeah no it did Naughties um, But anyway no I mean I think that what works so well with When Harry Met Sally Well I mean Brian's listed off a bunch of things there But I mean I think part of the reason why it's so timeless Is just that it's so well written mm. Like every line Nora in it Efron. is so funny And it's natural Like it just exudes from these characters you know who you totally like believe in you know her with all her like little neurosis stuff and him with all his like pessimism and somehow you do like believe that they could be friends because yeah. they could like just you believe that two balance people each could other. exactly balance each other all kind of talk and have discussion and debate and everything um, yeah so it's it's just it's such a lovely film and another scene I have to point out is of course the famous restaurant scene with the fake orgasm yeah. which like still gets me every time in that woman's Classic last line guys everybody knows it's that a, bit of trivia anyway it is it is an iconic movie and for a reason so. also quintessential New York movie yes very New York in that post it's just a gorgeous film I think yeah. mm-hmm. people just walk around New York kind of still remembering parts of the film yeah hoping that well. they'll live Harry and Sally's life <laughs> his apartment was amazing by the way I yeah. always think like him and uh, Three Men and a Baby they had the most amazing Three Men and a Baby is a great show for a reason oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah we might do that actually yeah, yeah. we'll do Three Men and a Baby we'll next do, week we'll, do, we'll, do, well somebody, somebody might give you a better oh somebody might give a suggestion yeah, yeah, yeah possibly yeah. Yeah. we're trying to be interactive here Brian alright you know for your sack well maybe if people really like that suggestion they can say yeah do Three Men and a Baby what do we think of Three Men well, and a Three Men and a Little Lady is the one that has Waiting for a star to fall. That's right. That is a which tune. Which people always think is in the first one, but it's actually in the sequel. Also, Mannequin on the Move and uh, what the Karate Kid, Peter Cetera from yep. Chicago. It's not the Karate Kid one. It's Karate Kid 2. There you yeah. go. There yeah. you go. There's more trivia. We're full of it this week. Here, want some more fucking trivia? I'll give you this one, right? The director of Three Men and a Little Lady also directed Dirty Dancing. Oh, that's oh. random. And Three Men and a Baby. Kenny Ortega. No. Uh, Three Men and a Baby was directed by Leonard Nimoy, who was Spock. Yeah, we, everybody knows that. I'm just saying, not everybody knows everybody that. Everybody knows not that. Not everybody knows you just, that. You peaked, you peaked and then you kept going and you should have just like... Sh- well, he had to put in his last little nerd fact. I had, to, I had to get it in there. Out nerd was like, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't have, I can't have it. Like, All right, Brian, have. I've had enough of your shit this week. That's it. <laughs> the show's <laughs> over. Get out. Get out. Okay, give uh, give people your email address for your sack. Yes, if you want to uh, email us in any comments, suggestions, death threats, whatever, 
Uh, it's brian at entertainment.ie. That's B-R-I-A-N at entertainment.ie. Send us whatever you want, and we will... The the, the one that we read out next week, uh, we will hopefully send you on some sort of uh, nice goodie bag. Are you collecting these prizes, by the way? You've, have you taken responsibility to get these prizes and, and send them out? No, I'm still... Why well, was I supposed <laughs> to? Oh, shit. <laughs> was I meant to? I, I, I love how Brian's like... Brian, don't worry, I've got I love, it. I love, I love <laughs> Brian's like, yeah, we'll send you some prizes. I'm like... Do you do you deal with the prizes? Were we meant? Well, like I'm taught, like look, it's it's fine. I've got it. Okay, you got it. <laughs> D saves your skin again. Oh, again. God. Thank God. You need to follow you around in life and be like, it's all right, Brian. I got this. You're right. Yeah, Just yeah. leave it be. Leave it be. You can also tweet into us, by the way. It's at the film show, and that is F I L U M. So if you don't want to like write something long, you can write something short within yeah. the tweeter characters, whatever, however many they are. And tweet, tweet us and let us know how you found the show. I think that's interesting as well because oh, we've yeah. got ads running on, on Radio Nova and um, we have had for a while and obviously all around the sites and stuff like that as well so we'd love to be interested to know where you found the show uh, and do tell a friend because word of mouth is how these type of shows grow we want to keep doing it we have a great time doing it so at the film show on Twitter uh, review on iTunes we're trying to get on Spotify as well so you should be able to listen to the show everywhere thanks so much for listening what does this song mean? my whole life I don't know what this song means I mean should old acquaintance be forgotten? Does that mean that we should forget old acquaintances? It doesn't mean that if we happen to forget them, we should remember them, which is not possible because we already forgot them. Well, maybe it just means that we should remember that we forgot them or something. (laughs) Anyway, it's about old friends.